If you have a Bible or an app that you use for your Bible, please open it up to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And let me pray for us this morning. Father God, I am so very grateful that you did indeed save my soul. And all of us here who are actively following Jesus, it is such a joy to sing your praise and to remember that day when we walked out of darkness and into light. Jesus, that is why you came. You said, I've come and the darkness will not overwhelm me. I've come to be the light of men. So, be light now for us, Jesus. Come and meet us in this place and anoint us collectively as a family with your Holy Spirit. We say as a family, we believe in the Spirit. We believe that you're at work through your Spirit this morning. Do abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, as a reminder to those of you who come to Grace Church, and maybe for those who are new to Grace Church, we believe that we exist to help people grow one step closer to Jesus, which means, I don't know if you've thought about that, which means that that's a process. It's a process to grow one step closer to Jesus. There are a series of steps that are involved in getting closer in proximity to and likeness of Jesus the Messiah. In other words, it doesn't happen all at once. For those of you who are here who already believe in Jesus and have for years, and for those here who do not yet believe in Jesus and are somewhere in that process of not knowing him at all to stepping to the threshold of faith and belief in him, it is a process. Despite what you may have been taught in church, it doesn't all happen at once. I wish it did. I really wish it did. I wish that we just touched and boom, I was just like Jesus. I had everything I needed. But it happens step by step. And we didn't make this up at grace. Rather, we see it in the Bible, which is our authority for all of life and our practice. And one such place in the Bible where we see this is Mark's biography of Jesus in the 8th chapter. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the Bible is broken up into different books, and it's broken up, those books are broken up into chapters and verses. And when you look in a Bible, you see like the really big numbers, those are chapters. And the little numbers, those are verses. So when we want to find our place in the Bible, and that's the only reason that those numbers are there, we say, hey, we want to go to Mark chapter 8, verse 1. So that's where we're starting with the story today. In those days, there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, unlike us who have brats and hot dogs and watermelon for later. You didn't know that. And blue truck ice cream. Make sure you get that blue ticket for your blue truck ice cream. And Jesus called the disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd. I have compassion on the crowd. Because they've already stayed with me three days. And they have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they're going to collapse on the way. And, and some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples answered him, well, 
well, where can anyone get enough bread in this desolate place to feed these people? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked them. Seven, they said. And he commanded the crowd to sit down on the ground. Taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, and he broke them. And he gave them to his disciples to set before the crowd. And so they served them to the crowd. They also had a few small fish. And after he had blessed them, he said that these were to be served as well. They ate, all the people who were there ate, and I love this about the Bible, it says, and they were satisfied. It wasn't a snack. It wasn't a little crumble of bread and a teeny little piece of fish. No, their tummies were full. Then they collected seven large baskets of leftover pieces from the seven loaves and the few small fish. About 4,000 people were there. Okay, does that blow you away? I hope you're freshly stunned by that this morning. He fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few small fish. And there was leftovers. And then he dismissed them. And he immediately got into a boat with his disciples and he went to the district of Dalmathuna. Then the Pharisees came. And they began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. You know, because like feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few small fish wasn't enough. Sighing deeply in his spirit. <laughs> like, come on, right? Like, sighing deeply in his spirit, Jesus said, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. And then he left them, and he got back into the boat, and he went to the other side. So take note of that. The thing that causes Jesus to sigh deeply in his spirit is that the crowds of Jews and the totality of the religious leaders, all of whom should have seen and understood who Jesus is, do not see and understand who Jesus is. They are blind to the truth about Jesus. Let's continue. Verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to take bread from those Baskets that were left over, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat for all of them. Then he gave them strict orders. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread, <laughs> which is Right, this little bit is actually pretty fascinating. You see, the disciples, what we can at least credit them for is that they risked getting in the boat with Jesus. They didn't stay behind like the Pharisees who were unwilling to follow him. They actually got into the boat and went across the water. But their collective missing the point in what Jesus has said about the corrupted teaching of the religious leaders shows that they've missed much of already of who Jesus is. Despite all that they've seen him do and heard him teach, they believe, they believe enough to get in the boat, but only partially see, which means they're still partially blind to who Jesus is. And so Jesus at this moment presses with an absolute fuselage of questions. Listen, aware of this, verse 17, that they're discussing that they did not have any bread and completely missing the point, Jesus said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember? 
When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of leftovers did you collect? Can you imagine the 12 at this point? Like, oh, man, he's asking questions. This one's an easy one, though. 12. We had 12 baskets, Jesus. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, so, so don't you understand yet? In other words, don't, don't you see yet? Are, are you seeing me for who I truly am? Do you see that I am the Messiah God who has come to save the world? And you see, this is the problem for all of us. Those who've yet to commit to follow Jesus and, and for those who have already done that, we all suffer from one degree of spiritual blindness or another. In Mark's story right here, and actually all of it from chapter 1 to chapter 8, we hear and we see the spiritual blindness of the crowds, the religious leaders, and even the disciples to the truth of who Jesus truly is. They do not get the magnitude of who he is. That's what he says in, in chapter 8, verse 21, right? Don't you see it yet? Which is why Mark tells the bit of the story that he's going to tell right here. First, this little bit that we're getting to next, he's, he's telling it first because it actually happened. But in a way that I've never seen before, you know how I like to say this, I saw something new that I have not seen in the text before. I think that the reason tells, that Mark tells this next bit of the story right here is not simply because it happened, but because it's a metaphor for what is happening up to this point in the story and afterwards and even now. And it is that the disciples are spiritually blind men who are in the process of being healed of their spiritual blindness. And that healing comes in two ways. It comes in community and it comes in stages. Look at the text with me. Verse 22. They, in other words, Jesus and the disciples, came to Bethsaida. And they, clearly some friends of the blind men, brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged Jesus to touch him. So, so the first thing that we see is that we are healed of our spiritual blindness in community. I, I mean, this is so beautiful, isn't it? When you, when you look at this story and you see what the friends of the blind men are doing, some of his friends bring him to Jesus. Now, why is that? Why are, why are they bringing this man to Jesus? Well, because... Blind men can't find their way to Jesus on their own, right? Like they need help. And so they're helping him get to Jesus. And, and how do we know? I said that his friends brought him. How do we know that they were his friends? Because they begged Jesus to touch him. It's clear that they obviously loved this man. They were people who believed things about Jesus and because of what they believed about Jesus, they brought their friend who needed Jesus, deeply needed Jesus, this friend whom they deeply loved, they brought him to the man that he needed to meet. And this is what all of us needs to be healed of our spiritual blindness. It's what anyone needs who is spiritually blind. You see, we simply cannot get to Jesus on our own. We cannot get to Jesus for the healing that we need on our own. It never works that way. 
People don't come to Jesus on their own. They don't keep growing one step closer to Jesus on their own. Do you remember the person that brought you to Jesus? Do you remember that moment? They need someone else or, or a few other people who deeply love them and are praying for them and are grabbing them by the arm and are bringing them into the presence of Jesus to be healed in the areas where they are spiritually blind. So I have a question for you. Who are you loving like that? Who are you loving like that right now? Someone who is blind to who Jesus is. Who are you grabbing hold of and bringing to Jesus? And, friends, listen, who are you allowing to step into your life? What community do you have around you that is pointing out the places of spiritual blindness that remain in your life, and they are confronting you in that, and they are bringing you in that to the presence of Jesus, the only one who can heal you in that area of your spiritual blindness? Because, see, we can't do that on our own. We need Jesus. Amen? Okay, I just wanted to make sure you hadn't fallen asleep. We need Jesus. This is the only way that we can come to Jesus in the first place. And there's a second way that we come to Jesus, which is what we see next. We're going to see that we come to Jesus in stages. Look at verse 23. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, and he brought him out of the village. Okay, so when I read a sentence like that, I always, want, I always stop and I think to myself, I wonder what was happening in that moment when Jesus was walking him out of the village. Because you know Jesus was talking to him, right? And you stop in stories like, I mean, just wonder, what was he saying to him? What was the conversation that he was having with him? Was he telling him, like, here's what I'm about to do when we get outside of the village? Was he talking to him? Because it says that he had compassion on the crowds. Was he talking to him about, it must have been so hard. It must have been so hard to be able to see and then to be plunged into utter darkness. I'm sure your life has been so difficult and you've been so alone I imagine that Jesus was eager in this little walk to get to know him because that's how Jesus operates, eager to understand who he was and, and then spitting on his eyes and, and laying his hands on the man, he asked him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, which is, which is why I know that he used to be able to see before, right? Because how would he know that they were people if he hadn't seen people before? I see people, but Jesus, they, they look like trees walking. Now, this is amazing because this is the only miracle of Jesus in which this has ever happened. It's the only time that Jesus has an incomplete miracle. He's, he's partially healed so that he can partially see. And so, again, Jesus places his hands on the man's eyes. And the man looked intently, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And then Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Now, once again, we see this this healing, the physical blindness that occurs in stages. 
I think is meant to be, and I'm not alone here, many commentators agree this is meant to be a metaphor for the healing of our spiritual blindness, which also happens in stages. And Mark has placed it right here because that's what we were seeing, right? We saw it with the crowds, we saw it with the religious leaders, and we see it with the disciples. They believe something about Jesus, but they don't yet fully see, which is the way it is today. Again, though it's not taught all that much in the church. You see, our spiritual sight is most commonly healed through a long process that lasts the entirety of our lives. We aren't immediately healed and saved so that we fully see and understand Jesus. It takes time. It's a process. One of my heroes, I think partly because he's a second vocation pastor like me. He was a medical doctor before he was called into ministry. One of my heroes, is his name is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and, and he preached a sermon on this text decades ago, and, and he focused in on Jesus' question and the man's response. Jesus' question, do you see anything? And he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And Dr. Jones pointed out that over the years as a pastor, he was constantly finding people who were extremely upset because they felt like they were stuck. They were stuck between touches. They saw, but they didn't really see. Some of them, he said, were people who seemed to really understand that they were sinners, right? They, they kind of had a grasp of the fact that they needed God and that they were flawed. Maybe you know someone like this. They had a grasp on that. It seemed like spiritually there was, there was a kind of illumination that was starting to go on in there, inside of them. But they didn't get an equal kind of assurance and grasp of God's love. They were kind of stuck between the negative realization of that and the positive of fully understanding and accepting who Jesus was. And then Lloyd-Jones said there were other people that he found were stuck between kind of the rational and the experiential. There were people who, who had studied and they had thought a lot and read a lot of books about who Jesus was. You know, I'm sure that these things are true. I'm sure Jesus probably rose from the dead. But somehow it, it wasn't moving from their minds to their hearts. It didn't capture them so that they lived a life of joy and celebration and happiness because of what Jesus had done. They were just cold doctrines. And these people would talk to Dr. Jones and they would say, and he would say, okay, look at this story. Dr. Jones, was the man healed or not? He touches him once and then he touches him twice. Like, am I a Christian? Because I feel like I'm partly a Christian, but I'm not all Christian. And do you know what Dr. Lloyd-Jones would say to someone asking him that question? He would say, stop contemplating your navel and answer Jesus' question. And they would say, well, what's his question? And he would say, look at it. It's right here. It's right here. Here you're talking to a pastor saying, I don't see right. Tell Jesus. Don't tell me. That's what the blind man did, didn't he? Instead of saying, well, maybe it was my fault. Maybe my blindness is so bad I can't see Jesus. Maybe I didn't look intently enough. And that's why I can't see Jesus isn't that what the blind man said? He was willing to say, Jesus, okay, I see a little bit, but not yet fully. Can, can you please do can, can you finish what you started here? And what did Jesus do? He touched him again. 
And what Lloyd-Jones is saying is, is be dissatisfied with your level of spiritual sight and it will actually be all right. Like, like it's okay. It's okay to be dissatisfied. It's, it's okay to want more. I, I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care what you think you know, unless you are like Jacob. You remember the story of Jacob who wrestled with God and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Like, that's what we have to do. That's kind of like what the blind man was doing. Like, I can see a little, but I ain't letting you go till I can see clearly Jesus. And that's what we have to do. We have to say to Jesus, I don't see fully yet. I want to take a step closer. I want more. It happens in stages, do you see? I mean, who, who feels like they've got enough of Jesus here this morning? Like, I'm glad no hands went up. Who wants more? I mean, I want more of Jesus. I don't want to hold on to my, my own self-sufficiency, and I don't want to be stuck in this place between touches. I mean, isn't that what happens sometimes? Like We can be so silly and... Can I say stupid? Is that okay to say that word? Like Sometimes I'm just so stupid. Like I just I get looking at my navel. Thinking I just, I don't know him enough and I don't want him. Just turn to him and say, I want more. I want more of you, Jesus. I want to change. I don't want to be like I am anymore. I want you to take care of this blindness in me. So, so maybe if you're here this morning, because I think this happens for Christians sometimes because they think it happens all at once and they see that there's still areas in their life that haven't been fixed and haven't been made right. And then you think, do I even know God at all? I hope that you're encouraged this morning that if you're saying you want more, if you see those areas in your life, that's a sign that he's there. So it's okay, okay? It's okay. Just turn to him and say, would you deal with this spot, it's a process. And we have our part, okay? We have our part. That's verse 25. What did the man do? He looked intently at Jesus. Okay, I'm not gonna get more of Jesus by just turning on Netflix when I feel that pain of conviction and I try and numb it with the movie. I'm not gonna get more of Jesus by looking at porn. I'm not gonna look more, get more of Jesus by shopping some more. I'm not gonna get more of Jesus by turning to food or alcohol or some other thing. I'm gonna get more of Jesus by looking at Jesus. So I go to the Bible and I go to the Gospels. Oh, I was in Mark this morning, you guys. I'm telling you what. I was in chapters one through four, and it was so good for my soul because I wake up every morning an unbeliever. My heart is cold. I don't know Jesus, and I need to get reacquainted with him. And I went right to the Bible, and I got more of Jesus. So it's our part to look intently at him, and it's his part to do what? Heal us. You can't do that part. We each have our parts. We look at him. We say, heal the blindness. And that's what he does. That's his part. And remember, it's a process. And it's going to happen for the rest of your life. Which, if you're a glass half empty kind of person, you're like, oh man, the rest of my life. And if you're a glass half full, full kind of person, you're like, yes, for the rest of my life. I'm going to be getting more like Jesus. I need glass half full people. So all you half full people, can you come and talk to me, please? would love to get to know you. And you know what's great about this story? Just made the dogs bark. 
Um, what's great about this story is not even Peter gets it. So in case you were wondering, not even Peter, after this moment, after seeing what happened to the blind man, not even Peter gets it. He believes, but he doesn't see fully. Jesus went out, verse 27, with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. But you, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. Good job, Peter. You got it, buddy. Gold star. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and rise after three days. And Peter walked over to him and grabbed him and, and said, Jesus, you got to stop talking like that. I don't know if you understand who the Messiah is, but that is not, like all that stuff, that is not who the Messiah is. No, 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 no. The Messiah comes in victory. The Messiah is going to conquer. The Messiah is going to rule and reign. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Wait a second. I thought he saw who Jesus was. He's the Messiah. Good job, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You see, Peter had the right words about Jesus. You are the Messiah. But he didn't yet fully see the kind of Messiah that Jesus was and who he really is. <laughs> Do you see that we're all in process, right? We're all in process, even those who are here to be baptized. Would you, would you all come up right now, all you who are getting baptized this morning and all those who are helping along with these who are getting baptized? <laughs> 